how are you guys? Oh, well, yeah, we're pretty good. We're pretty good. Pretty good. It's been a, a, a big week, obviously, a lot, a lot, lot going on. But um, yeah, mm. but uh, you know, we've had some good news today. There's been some rain in different parts of the country, and uh, one of the big fires on Kangaroo Island was, uh, you know, thought they were going to lose the, the big township there, and they managed to avert that. So, you know, you look for the silver lining in all of this, and, and uh, there's been a little bit the last 24 hours, which is which is good news. One of the key things about Kangaroo Island, Dave, like before we're just jumping in here, is that uh, in Australia, and what probably we don't really, people don't realise don't realize around the world is that um, in a lot of the mainland Australian uh, koala populations, Chlamydia is actually endemic and it causes pretty bad kind of eye disease and, and, and gastrointestinal, like urogenital disease. But, but koalas in Kangaroo Island are actually like chlamydia free. So if all their habitat gets wiped out and they have to actually transport these koalas into areas on the mainland, then potentially what might happen if they bring them back to the Kangaroo Island, they bring chlamydia back with them. So it's a big issue. Um, that they're tackling down there, so it's good that these fires have gone out. So, well, they haven't gone out. They're oh, just, well, this that particular area. Yeah, sorry, they just, but they're now under better control. It's devastating. It's devastating. So, guys, thanks, thanks for coming on the call. I, I reached out to you guys because, like, I know you're both like ultra superstars, and I feel like <laughs> the rest of the world no, needs no. to hear more about what's happening <laughs> with these bushfires because it's, you know, I, I think probably. Give us a sense of 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 of, of the the bigger picture. What's kind of happening, and and can you put some dimensions around this? Because this is this is kind of mind blowing to me. Like when we think about the Amazon bushfires, and and the you know the devastation that was wrought there. You know, Australia yeah. is not a less diverse place uh, in terms of ecosystems. So put paint a picture for us. Yeah. So uh, when you actually just going to your last point there about biodiversity, uh, Australia, because it's been isolated for millions of years, has had one of the most um, unique biodiversities in the, in the whole world. And so hence um, the, the impact of something like this is, is huge to the loss of species that are found nowhere else in the world. And to, like, to put it in perspective, we're talking about something like uh, 7 million hectares now uh, compared to, say, the California fires that occurred in 2018, that's like eight times that big. It's, it's um, as you said, many multiple times bigger than the, the Amazon fires as well. Uh, and so it, it's hard to comprehend. You know, I keep seeing these images on, on uh, social media, you know, comparing it to population areas in different, in Europe and different parts, just to try to, as you said, get your head around the magnitude. And, and I think the other thing to note is, Dave, that we are only halfway through summer here, so this potentially is is something that we're going to be facing for the next at least the next month or so. Literally, it's a day to day dynamic changing situation. And it hasn't rained for so long in some areas. Actually, some people who live in those areas feel and just believe in their soul that it's never going to rain ever again. It's like they just haven't seen rain for so long and they've seen such devastation with the fires that they actually just, the point where they feel like is actually, there's no coming back from this. Do, do they have a sense yet of, and it's probably, you know, it's too early for, I'm sure questions will turn to this, you know, when when the end comes, if if the end comes. Um, do they have a sense of what even kicked these off? I mean, was it lightning strikes? Was it was it something more nefarious? There's so many. Yeah, everywhere. 
No, and that's a really good question. Uh, I, I think the the answer to that is you you got to understand that this was uh, a, a situation that's really been um, catalyst because of this this huge amount of like like fuel that is waiting to burn because of the drought that's been in existence for these last couple of years. So it takes absolutely almost nothing as a smaller spark to start a fire off, hence why, you know, on a day-to-day basis, fires are just starting in all different parts of Australia. And this isn't, you know, very, very small percentage of these are, um, you know, or something terrible like this. Majority come from dry lightning strikes. Uh, uh, that's the most common because of the the impact that the fires are having. They're actually creating their own weather systems now where there's heat trapped um, at, at a very low level uh, in the atmosphere and that's causing clouds to form and lightning to strike. So it's becoming this, this, this own, uh, yeah, this, this whole uh, weather system that's, that's just kind of heating up. Heating up. The other thing, you know, occasionally it might be started by a spark from an uh, electrical pole or something like that, but by far they believe the majority are uh, from lightning. And I guess the you know, so many of the, the trees have got such high, you know, like eucalyptus, such, such a high amount of oil in there as well. Once they go, they just go. Yeah, absolutely. The, I, I'm sure you guys have probably seen the footage of um, when you just get these massive explosions where the, the, the cover just explodes over the top of the trees. And if you can imagine, just getting back to the wildlife for a second, a lot of the time, because bushfires are just part of Australia, you know, it's part of the natural progression of things from year to year, but it's just really the intensity and the, the amount of this fuel that's allowing these fires to burn and, and just such high temperatures and, and such extreme conditions. And what happens is where the koalas would normally climb to the top of the trees yeah. um, and be an escape from the worst of the fires, the fires are just so encompassing that, that they just are incinerated as, as the fires go through. So, and like the fire fronts move, They're not just like by slow progression, they actually take leaps through embers that have been floating around and wind out to like 10, 20 kilometers away. They can actually start another fire so far in advance that it's, it's, it's almost impossible to actually just stop these fires in their dead track because the wind actually will pick up an ember and then because it's so dry, it will land kilometers away and then another fire starts. Yeah, I just it's just it looks devastating. It looks devastating. Now, it, the animal, the numbers I'm hearing coming out of of you know, animals actually destroyed by the fire. Mm-hmm. You know, you're always a little bit wary on the internet of you know what those numbers are, and and I've seen a lot of numbers bandied around. Can can you give us a sense of just uh, is there a sort of you know a sense of what an accurate number is and because i mean the numbers are huge they're they're too big to get my head around really but can you give a picture for us of that yeah sure and there's been quite a few ecologists who are really putting a lot of time and 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 thought into what are these sheer numbers because if you you know animals obviously our attention are on the larger mammals that that uh, have been um, killed but obviously we've got everything from the very smallest little marsupials that inhabit this country um, you know, the numbers now they're reporting are up around a billion or so, um, excluding things like, like frogs and some of the other um, amphibians and things like that. But, yeah, it, it is of that magnitude, you know, they believe, which is, as you said, it's almost hard to comprehend that many. I mean, we're talking about, um, you know, millions even of domestic livestock, you know, 9 million cattle and 
um, and sheep and, and uh, obviously, you know, the koalas and things. So we think of all those large animals and then we will have all the, the, the tiny animals that are, that are also um, as part of that. So when we, yeah, when we look at, like, yeah, we think of the wildlife, just the sheep animals of wildlife, but then when you consider that, uh, it has gone through many or a lot of our farming land and grazing land. And, and when you talk about how many million, nine million, nine million, like livestock, that is, that's, that's farmers who have built up like over decades breeding stock that have, you know, they, they've been able to sell, they've been able to market and so forth. And the whole entire production line just disappears. Um, and that's not just cattle, but that's sheep, that's horses and so forth. So, um, it, like billions of animals, have, like a billion animals have died, but, but it also then it's, it's, it's the magnitude of the economical impact and also the, the years and decades of investment of, of passion, time and money that have gone into these kind of just, just, you know, production systems that have just gone. It's incredible. Is there any sense of what the ecologic impact of this would be at this point in time? And, and you know, the, I mean, the, how long have these fires been burning for? I mean, it seems, you know, the, the, the reason I really wanted to get on a call with you is because you know, the news cycle moves so fast. And there's always the danger that people are like, you know, oh, yeah, like, it was, you know, Aussie bush fires, let's move on. But, I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're just, the, the fires are moving on, but the, the situation isn't, is, is it? No, and, and really the start of the season or when we consider this, this disaster really um, started to unfold was in September yeah. of last year, um, which is obviously d- does coincide when, with when we do start to see bushfires and, um, you know, in Australia. In terms of the, you know, the ecological impact, and actually one other thing I was just going to say, Dave, when you were saying that is I think people probably have this idea when, you know, the bushfires start and then things go quiet in the news and the bushfires are out. But the, these bushfires, the majority of them are not out. They're just brought back under control again. So they're, so they're burning in a controlled area and then maybe for a couple of days and then what happens then is the weather conditions change, the, the winds get up, um, the, the temperatures increase or the winds change direction and the fire front just takes off again. So they, they kind of have, a lot of them have been burning continuously since September. Some have been put out, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, so... In terms of the ecological impact, as I said, it, fires are an important part of just the the, the life cycle here. Yeah. But when you get them burning at this intensity, then you certainly get you get whole species wiped out. You know, and the species they uh, like the kangaroo island dunnet, for example, which is only found in that part of Australia. Normally, those little guys will hide. Um, it, you know, they live in grass bushes and they'll hide in those little grass bushes when fires, bushfires come through and be protected, but they just don't stand a chance, um, when they're, when they're of this intensity. Mm-hmm. So the, the, I don't think we'll truly know the ecological impact until, uh, you know, until this is, this is really over. So. Yeah, it's, it's not like as if the, the native wildlife will run away and then come back. It's just that it's so big an area and they're so niche. To some particular areas that they just can't survive anywhere else, and uh, yeah, I, I suppose we, we won't we won't know, and we won't probably won't even realise what species have been lost in this because of the fear, the, the sheer area, like sp- like millions of hectares that have just actually just gone. So, 
Oh, it, 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 it really staggers. Some of, some of the things I think about and, and I wanted to highlight for people were just, in terms of scale, I think sometimes, you know, and, and you know, Australia is a place which effectively is the size of America with a population of people which is a third the size of the United Kingdom. It's a, this is a vast expanse with, with you know, n not a massive number of people in it. And I, and I mention that because, you know, there's a particularly... I want to talk about the firefighters. I mean, well, what a incredibly difficult job the the fire service are, are having to do um, out there. And I know it's not just New South Wales; it's, it's all of the fire departments across all of the the states that have to face this kind of thing. But it's a slightly different setup, isn't it? A lot of these guys are and and girls are um, volunteers, aren't they? They're not um, full time. It's not a full time professional service to cover an area that size. is almost impossible to do, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, majority of our fire brigades because of the area that they cover on a volunteer basis. So these guys have been working for six, eight weeks, um, you know, just doing shifts, going in turns in shifts uh, away from their families. Uh, there, there was a lot of, obviously, it was it was quite a, a subject of debate over here because they weren't being paid. Um, they weren't able to work in their regular jobs. They're risking their lives their lungs, for goodness sake, you know, you can imagine um, the smoke inhalation, even though they obviously have, um, you know, respirator equipment, but, you know, all those sort of things. And we have lost, you know, there have been a number of, of um, fireys who have died since this started, um, either directly through the fires or through uh, rollover of their vehicles going through very rough ter terrain, etc. Um, and I'm sure, you know, some of that footage of them getting caught in the blazes and, in court inside their vehicles, you cannot imagine the, t the terror that they must have experienced or the, the terror of their families who are back home. Uh, it, it's been wonderful to see the support that's come from overseas. You know, we now have Canadian, uh, American firefighters here, you know, the support. And I, I would say that the support from, from the UK, from America, from really all over the world, um, really coming to Australia's rescue, I, I think it was that very iconic... Um, photo on the front page of the New York Times on New Year's Day of the kangaroo as, that we've all seen in front of the burning building. That was, that was, it was a Matthew Abbott photo and that I think just really suddenly people realised what was, you know, the, the magnitude and, and the support that has come rolling in since then has been, has been really quite incredible. So, you, you know, anyone out there, I, I'm sure some of the people listening to this will have donated and, uh, you know, please know that everyone in Australia is so grateful for the support that you guys are showing, um, and and that just to know that you're there, you know that that you're you're there to support us. It's really important. No, well, I think they're they're heroes, everyone, aren't they? Um, everybody in those departments. Now, turning our just turning the question really to. To, to the injuries that, that vets are treating, um, you know, it, 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 I, I, the one the one image that sticks out in my mind is of that that um, brave lady, and it was a bit earlier in the the problems. Who you know, she, see the koala just walking around, and it, it wasn't yeah. even localizing in the video till it was taken to the taken to the vets, and they were dealing with those burn injuries. Um, mm. But some some of this must be horrific stuff for for the carers to treat and, and just to see. Um, so what sort of injuries are they seeing and, and what sort of impact is seeing, you know, this, these sort of injuries and these scales having on, on veterinary professionals? I mean, that, that, it must be devastating to see this. 
So there's a couple layers to, to, to your question, and David, it's an awesome question. First of all, like a lot of the imagery that we see on social media and news of koalas that are walking up to people on bicycles and drinking water and things like that. And there was something recent about a dog standing next to a, like a koala drinking out of a pot plant with a dog. Um, that, that doesn't occur in reality, really. Like it, it's only in these situations where animals are so critically ill and so desperate that they will actually go out and seek water and seek resources. So koalas are, you know, they're, they're wild animals. They're, they're perfectly normal in nature and will avoid humans and dogs and things. But for them to actually go into populated areas for water indicates that they're just absolutely desperate and they're dying. And the, the kind of injuries that they're seeing that, that the, the frontline people who are in these areas are seeing is it's not just burns, but also like smoke inhalation, um, and then dehydration, like the, the, the problem isn't just now, but the problem is that actually the, the season has been so dry that these koalas who normally live on just eucalyptus leaves are drinking or eating these leaves that are just dry. If they're dehydrated, they're malnutrition, they're at a point of starvation. Um, so they're either getting burned from the fires or they're starving or when they go searching for resources, food and water, come into contact with motor vehicles, dogs, cats, whatever it may be, trying to get away from the fire. So the wildlife are not just getting burned, and, but they're getting traumatised. They're actually starving to death and dying of dehydration. So, And that's the, that's the same even for even some um, domesticated species that are like dogs and cats that are wild in, in, in those areas as well. They, they, they can just as injured as much as well and the, the the toll and the, um, the second aspects of your question, Dave, was that around the toll of vets and stuff? Is that right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, just even as you're describing that, it, it, I can feel myself very emotional and not there. I mean, how is this? This this just sounds overwhelming is, is the word I would use. How are people coping? How are people holding up? Um, from what I understand, um, and Alex will elaborate from more of the, the front end and front lines um, side, but from a veterinary standpoint, I was um, the, the the challenge that Australian veterinarians face that are in these areas now is actually lack of resources, but not necessarily around uh, like a lack of resources in uh, water and electricity is really important, but also there there are everyday veterinarians who have practices and smaller practices in the areas that have been burnt by, like, that are affected by these fires that are trying, they're struggling because no one's coming to their business. They're actually not actually generating revenue. But then also they're doing the best they can for people who are affected by fires, so then they're also actually treating patients for free, and then they're also spending resources on treating wildlife for injuries that they've never actually been, never treated before, like, as a general practitioner, Dave, when's the last time you treated a, uh, an animal at all for burns or smoke inhalation? Exactly, exactly. So rare. In fact, mm. smoke inhalation, never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so hence we've set up, um, you know, one of the first things that we did because because actually as a centre we, we do see uh, burns uh, just being a, in the specialist um, sort of field, we, we do see them from time to time. So one of the first things we wanted to do was to set up a website with resources to so vets could just jump on. Here's a one pager. Um, you know, what's the first thing you need to? How do you triage them? Um, how do you assess if you, they need immediate euthanasia? What kind of pain relief are they going to need? 
yeah. you know, when, when do you start investing the bet? So literally like them events so that bets had that that support to know that, you know, they, they had the resources and, and what to do because there's a lot of pressure on them. If you can imagine yeah. um, these guys, you know, the, the feeling is try to save every animal um, and there's a lot of expectation that they put on themselves and, and that people out there very well-meaning put on the, the veterinary profession. But we know that that's not always what's best for the animals. You know, yeah. if they have burns to greater than 50% of their body, their chance of survival is almost none. Um, also, with a lot of these wild animals, they, they don't cope with the stress of being in captivity. So even if their burns are what might be considered non, non-life-threatening, but they refuse to eat, they become very withdrawn, um, and they, you know, they then start to really deteriorate. Uh, a lot of the koalas um, start to go into renal failure, etc. Then someone has to make that call on the basis of welfare, and welfare has to be the very first paramount decision in, in this process, as opposed to, you know, that feeling. But and, and that obviously with it carries a lot of feelings of guilt. Um, no matter talking to one of the vets on Kangaroo Island, no matter she's there on the front line doing everything she can. But there's this overwhelming feeling, it's, you know, it's never enough. It's yeah. never enough to, to be able to do this. So um, what we do know is that mental health uh, conditions increase by 5% to 10% after a major disaster. And I think Australia and the Australian veterinary profession particularly is going to have to find ways to support the veterinarians in the oncoming months because we are going to see vets who, you know, when you're in it and you're dealing with it, well, you just deal with it the best you can, but then... Over time, it, you know, we're going to need to support these guys and really find a way to to get them through it. So yeah, this this sounds like it's way past uh, any sort of uh, caregiver fatigue and straight into um, you know post traumatic stress stuff that Correct. we'll be dealing with yeah. here for sure. That, that requires professionals really to yeah. to come in and, and counsel these guys. Uh, you know, as to as to how to process what they're seeing, yeah, um, and, and yeah, and and the duration of it. No, the duration would be months to come. Like they think potentially that you know the biggest issue is now and what they see, but then it's the impact on on the months to come for people going back to homes which have been burnt down, whole entire family businesses that have just disappeared, um, and yeah, like just the I, I, like the 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 recovery of these of these forestry areas, it's not like as if, like, okay, rain comes and, and then trees start sprouting trees again. It really does require, like, a, like a whole just regeneration from, like, the ant to the insect that eats the ant to the to the bug that eats the bug to the, to the bird that eats the bug to the, I don't know, you know, like, even higher up. It's like a whole entire ecosystem... Just collapsed, and that's yeah. that's years and years, decades before we will actually see regeneration of actually habitats that are suitable. Then again, to be able to sustain natural wildlife. Yeah, no, it's yeah, that's it. It, it puts in perspective, guys. Thank you, thank you for sharing that. Um, with 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 pets, I mean, I know you. Oh, Alex, I was going to say, do you want to shout out that website? What's the uh, web address of the website you set up? On? Oh, so it's it's Vetopedia. So it's um, uh, well, I'll send you the link. But if you if you Google Vetopedia, V-E-T-A-P-E-D-I-A, uh, it should come up. And it's for veterinarians or Vetopedia for veterinarians. Um, it's on the Animal Emergency Service website. 
uh, and it's just a, a, a online educational platform where vets can have access to all sorts of veterinary resources. We have all our general protocols for emergency on there and our CRIs and all that sort of stuff that we use in the hospital. But we've uh, developed a, a special area on, on that platform that's just for resources for, for burns and, and um, smoke inhalation and things like that. So Brilliant. So that, was that a .com or a .com.au? Oh, .com.au. So mm -hmm. animalemergencyservice.com.au and forward slash betapedia. Okay. Got mm -hmm. it. If I, if, I, if I pipe in here, just in case, Dave, you don't ask me, um, but I'm sure you would too in the end, but I want to make sure it's really important for veterinarians around Australia. Um, there's a lot of money that has gone towards large organisations like the Red Cross and WISE and so forth and um, like a lot of organisations that are distributing funds in terms of millions and millions of dollars, like $30 million have gone to Red Cross. And then it's gone to wise, the wise, like fifteen million yeah. or something like that. Yeah, not really growing And that, that's yeah. incredible. And we, we, we can't really articulate how much we appreciate that. But what's what's come to my uh, awareness and to my, and 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 it's something that actually all of a sudden just highlighted to me is that a lot of these organisations aren't really um, even government organisations aren't prepared for supporting the veterinary community. Aren't support aren't ready to and prepared for uh, like really just providing support real time to the veterinarians that are in the in this area that have a practice that has either been burnt down destroyed that is supporting a team of veterinary nurses and receptionists right so the veterinary business owners but also the veterinary business owners that are supporting and caring for people whose houses have been burnt or for the wildlife that is that is coming through their doors, which are coming out of, like, they, they, they run out of money, right? Okay, right. There's only so much money in their business. Yep. Um, and I had a discussion today with one veterinarian who was, her, her clinic was saved by meters by bushfires. And uh, there is, the, the Australian Veterinary Association has a benevolent fund which is designed for veterinarians and, and, and they collect money and they collect funds and they distribute the funds and the fund distribution is, is done by veterinarians who are trained to be trustees. So they, they, you apply or you're nominated. Um, so a veterinarian has to apply or they're nominated, um, for access to these funds. And what I would love to share in a long roundabout way of getting to the point. Yeah. <laughs> Is, is that, is that the, the ABA Benevolent Fund really does need help. Yeah. Um, because money has gone elsewhere, but it hasn't actually gone to the veterinarians that are on the ground. So it's www.aba.com.au forward slash donate. And that money that you put there goes to veterinarians that's brilliant so, that, that is exactly what i was i was going to ask as my sort of roundup question gerardo so that's www.ava.com.au forward slash donate um yeah if i didn't if i didn't mess that up um no, yeah, no, perfectly yeah that's good. okay perfect perfect um guys is there any end in sight to this is there is, is there any shred of good news here or is is this just alex is going down to south australia tomorrow monday so when when she goes down there she's going to be a whole heap of rain and just... <laughs> no i'm look at dave i'm really excited about the trip um to adelaide next week 
Uh, we have around about 110 koalas that have been kept in a school gym at the moment. They're relatively healthy, which is great news. They've just been rescued because obviously there's no there's no food out there, there's no shelter, so it's very hot, it's about 46 degrees. So bringing all these koalas in, going out each day, and I'll be going out with the teams and bringing these koalas in that, that as I said, not necessarily have any direct injuries, although they most of them need fluids, et cetera. Um, and then our aim will be to uh, find a suitable place to relocate them um, and then start getting them, you know, back out where they where they should be and hopefully fairly safe out there. But um, it'll be great to see the work that they're doing there uh, and also, you know, just going out with the teams and, and getting guys from there. So, it, you know, it's really good. And, and I would say on the, the, the good note is it's incredible how people come together at a time like this. Um, and certainly I think never more is the Aussie spirit alive than when you see something like this happening. And, um, you know, we'll get through it. We, we definitely will. And, and I, I'm absolutely sure that we'll come out the other side stronger. Well, thank thank you both. Um, you know, thank you for giving your time just to fill us in on some of this stuff. Uh, I, I think you know it's it's just horrible to see from a distance of what it's like to be living there, in you know the amazing, beautiful, wonderful country that is is Australia. Um, you know, we love you guys, and and you know that that's a that's a for you for you both. Thank you both for doing the work you do and being rock stars. But but for all the veterinarians and the firefighters and and the families and and just everybody out there um you know we the message from certainly from me and from here is you know we love you guys and we're behind you and you know we'll, we'll push this recording out and and try and raise more awareness you know vmx is right around the corner and i'm going to go there mm -hmm. and agitate a bit and, and hopefully uh motivate our community that i know wants to help and has a massive heart so if we can support the veterinarians in australia um and that's what that's what we'll, we're going to do. So, thanks, guys. I really appreciate you both. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, thanks, Dave. Good job, everybody. Thank you. Listen, is there anything else I, I didn't ask or we didn't say that's really important to people here now? Oh, look, I, I think you know, just just keep the keep the you know the messages coming, the support coming. Um, I, I really think at the moment that's that's the most important thing, and it is hard. People want to be able to send things over, you know, people want to send uh, medical supplies or they, they want to come over and, and volunteer and certainly there's there's been a lot of that going on. But if I'm completely honest, what these these people, these communities need is is donations, you know, to go and build enclosures for 100 koalas that are going to maybe be in rehab for a, a while or buy equipment or, you know, whatever it is. So you know, that really is the very best way that people can help um, the, the veterinary community and the, and the wider community of Australia as well. Yeah, we don't want it. It doesn't sound nice to ask for money, but actually, to be honest, that's the most effective way that we that 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 people can support us. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. Guys, mad love. Thank you so much. For your time. Um, you have a great rest of your weekend and be safe out there. Hey. Now, if you would like your question answered, then the way to go about doing that is to record your own little video clip that you don't mind us using, because um, we will make you famous as well, but send in your video question, or you can send in on Instagram, or Twitter, or email it, or DM it, whatever. 
send your question in. It's got to be about veterinary business, veterinary life, your career, what's going on with you. But ask a question that you think I can add some value back for you. And I would love to give you an answer on this show. And if you do send it in and we use your question, you'll receive a signed copy of So You're a Vet and I Want. And my eternal gratitude and some notoriety by being on the show. So don't be shy. Step up and send in your questions. Thanks for listening or watching. Uh, Be safe, be well, be happy. Dr. Dave, out.